Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Fans and welcome into the Monday, July the 8th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, our most frequent guest of the podcast stops in to talk some Dolphins defense. We've been matching the pieces to fit Brian Flores' scheme all offseason long. Kevin Dern will come in and tell us how far away we are from recreating Flores' Super Bowl masterpiece. Plus, Kev picks his 25-man opening day defensive roster and will take on some of your questions. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can find me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL, the show at Locked On Fins, and check out Kevin's piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a ton to cover today. Let's jump right in. And first on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. That's Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And off the top, we have some good news Involving the sad Kendrick Norton situation, he has been upgraded to stable condition. It sounds like he's going to be okay, despite the fact that, in addition to the arm surgery, he had some lacerations to his head as well. His girlfriend was also in the vehicle, and she suffered some minor injuries, though she will be okay as well. I'm not going to go into the impact on the Dolphins roster until some more time has passed. Out of respect for Kendrick Norton, get well soon, young man. We are all pulling for you in Dolphin Nation. And just before we get to Kevin Dern here on the podcast, I want to make a mention of a couple of Ryan Fitzpatrick quotes or comments that came in over the weekend that kind of caught some buzz. And you can find this on the Miami Herald website via Barry Jackson, his incredible reporting. He is the most plugged in guy to this football team. I think there is of all the beat guys. And this one was popular enough to where it came in on my Yahoo Sports feed on my phone talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and understanding the position that he's in. And he says, quote, there's been a lot of shade and disrespect thrown my way for a lot of years. And he's talking about the overall opinion of Josh Rosen coming here and possibly being put on the back burner as the guy that everybody wants to lose the quarterback competition. But Ryan Fitzpatrick details in this piece that he signed here because he wanted to start and play football. He feels like he's reaching his peak at this stage of his career. And we've talked about it on the podcast previously. He's probably not wrong because a lot of these quarterbacks in today's NFL, where the physical aspect isn't the biggest part of the game, it's more mental. These older guys can excel at this stage of their career and Fitzpatrick might feel like he's in that same boat. He also talked about the experience of having Dan Marino at his side in the building. He said on the Joe Rose show on WQAM in Miami, quote, what a great guy. The biggest thing that pops out to me is his humility, being able to bounce questions off of him. He's been great. He's been a neat presence to have around, not only as a Hall of Fame quarterback, but just as a guy, knowing some of the things we go through, whether it's off the field with the family or on the field. He has a great 
perspective on everything. It's been great getting to know him. So Ryan Fitzpatrick and Dan Marino, a budding relationship developing there. And speaking of budding relationships, let's go ahead and bring on one of my good buddies. He's a writer for LockedOnDolphins.com. You can find him on Twitter at KevinMD4. He is, of course, Kevin Dern. And I've got Kevin Dern with me here. He is a staff writer for LockedOnDolphins.com and, of course, a longtime buddy of mine and friend of the show. Kevin, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Travis. How are you today? Not too bad. Uh, I wanted to get into this piece with yours real quick that's up on LockedOnDolphins.com because that's what we're here to talk about is this Dolphins defense. And so many questions come in from fans and, and even the beat writers and journalists that cover this team regarding what this defense is supposed to be, what it will be, and what it might look like going forward. And I think you're the best guy to talk about this topic with. But I love that you started the, the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com talking about your summer sports experience. And you pretty much open it in a manner that describes my sports experience every single summer. The Mariners come July out of the race altogether. Soccer's kind of down right now, although there is a Gold Cup game tonight against Mexico for the championship of that. But your Reds are sneaking back in. It's kind of the dead period of the summer. What are you watching right now on TV? Um, actually watching the Reds, they've somehow crept back to four games behind, uh, I guess the Cardinals and Brewers are tied. So it's been a very odd season for them, but somehow they're still in it. So I've been watching that, but I'll, I'll probably tune into the gold cup tonight too. That baseball marathon season is something that I try to figure out like, okay, just be patient every year, but it somehow always creeps up on you that the marathon is really what matters over the sprint, unlike football. And with that said, let's quit beating around the bush here and get to the real reason you're on the podcast. You dropped this banger up on LockedOnDolphins.com titled Pinpointing Reasons for Concern on Defense. And this is something that I've spoken at length about on the podcast. And you've come on the show and expressed these concerns as well. And we've text about these things pretty much nonstop for the last five months or so. And I wanted to ask you, Kev, how easily convertible is this Brian Flores scheme to the parts the Dolphins have? And the big concern I think a lot of folks don't really consider is your first point of the piece. The subtitle is how many Miami incumbent defensive line how many of Miami's incumbent defensive linemen will take to the style of play in the Brian Flores defense? Now, Kev, you know that I'm a big believer in Vincent Taylor. I think Devon Godshaw is as solid as they come, and Christian Wilkins has a chance now to be a star in this defense. So just unpack this for us. Where are your concerns on this defensive line, the immediate fit of the talent that's left over from the previous regime? Yeah, um, to answer your first question, I think it's going to be a transition year for the whole defense, and the bulk of the rebuild is going to start up front um, if, if those pieces fit where it will be in good shape. I think the biggest challenge is going to be going from the wide nine where you're asked to attack vertically upfield and everyone's responsible for a gap and you have a linebacker that's two gapping. In this Brian Flores defense, you're going to see players be asked to play more horizontally across the line of scrimmage, down the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, in your own piece, you showed that clip of Vincent Taylor chasing down the screen. I think it was against the Raiders last year. Players are going to have to transition and be able to do that across the front. You're probably going to see the one technique, or if they use a true zero or shade nose tackle, that guy's going to be two gapping rather than a linebacker. So they're going to be asked to play with more power. They're going to be asked to read and react and kind of flow down the line of scrimmage towards the ball rather than just getting upfield. So I'd like to think that guys like Godshaw and Taylor can adjust and will fit 
in pretty nicely to that, but it, it, you know, there's no guarantee that they do. So that was kind of my main reason for concern is I think we have a good nucleus of interior defensive linemen, but if they don't take to the system, that's something that you're going to have to heavily invest in next year. And that's one of those reasons that football seems to have so many missed predictions when it comes to off-season expectations for teams is these guys that jump across programs and get new coaching staffs, get new positional coaches, it's not always as easy as plugging in part A into position A and saying, okay, that's going to be a successful player. It's all about the scheme and the fit and the things you ask these guys to do. Now, Kevin, the second part of your article talks about the linebacker position, and I hope, I think, that some of this two-gapping up front will free up guys like maybe even Kiko Alonso to play better football. Raekwon McMillan for sure in the middle of that defense and when we come back on the other side of the podcast we're going to get into the linebackers and safeties in this defense from Kevin Dern's piece up on LockdownDolphins.com and we'll also predict Miami's 25-man opening day defense as well as answer some of your questions on Twitter all of that still ahead here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins and you can find Kevin at KevinMD4 During the downtime on the football offseason calendar, I typically have about seven or eight checkpoints where I prematurely claim the beginning of football season. Training camp is almost always first, but since I've been doing this on the podcast and the website, my training camp guide piece is when it really starts for me. And starting next Wednesday, we're going to have the quarter. this Wednesday, I should say, we're going to have the quarterbacks up first from contracts, expectations, projected roles on the football team. Everything you need to know for July's camp will be accessible on LockedOnDolphins.com. It's an 11-part series that will take us all the way up to the first day of training camp, where, of course, we're going to have you guys covered here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast every single day for Dolphins training camp. And once we break camp, we're going to have a lot of questions to get answered this season in year number one under Brian Flores. Major changes to the organization. I've got Kevin Dern with me here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we're discussing his piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And let's jump right back into point number two. We left off talking about the defensive line and two-gapping and some of the roles that Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor are going to have to fill on that defensive line. And point number two from Kev is... Can the Dolphins aggregately create analogs for the Dante Hightower and Kyle Van Noy roles, or will they be shopping aggressively for those positions in 2020? And Kev, we talked about the Hawaii kid. I think it was Jelani Tavai, Justin Hollins from Oregon. It just didn't happen that way for the Dolphins this offseason. Now, they did pick up Wisconsin's Andrew Van Ginkle, and I know you found yourself in a bit of a Van Ginkle rabbit hole recently, and I'll leave the floor open to you once again, Kev. Answer your own question here. Do we have to find these guys later, or are they on the roster right now? Yeah, that um, if there was one concern of these three that I think becomes the most important, it's this one. You know, we've kind of heard through various sources this year that, you know, Raycon McMillan was told to watch Dante Hightower film and Jerome Baker was told to watch Kyle Van Noy film. And I guess just taking those two guys and sort of looking into it, I think Raycon McMillan has the better chance to be like a one-for-one comparison person. You know, he can fill most of that role by himself. Um, He can play off the ball and stop the run. I think he can be sort of that pick player in some of the pass rush sets that they do. Uh, I think the main thing you'd be concerned about is lining him up out as an edge rusher, which Hightower does a lot of. We've just never seen that from Raekwon McMillan 
at any level. So maybe that's where some of those snaps go to guys like Charles Harris or Jerome Elliott or Nate Orchard. Um, so hopefully the staff will be open to sort of combining two players into that role, which isn't really something that they've been historically known to do in New England. So that's kind of where the concern stems there. Um, with Jerome Baker, I think a lot of the stuff that Kyle Van Noy does is stuff that Jerome Baker probably can do. Um, my main concern is more just his size and his physicality. You know, Kyle Van Noy is a full 6'3", 250. Jerome Baker, 6'1", 225. You know, there's a, a, a gif in the article that I posted of Jerome Baker basically playing on the line of scrimmage as an outside, you know, linebacker that, you know, Kyle Van Noy would probably play pretty close to that position in New England. And he just gets completely blown off the ball by a tight end, Luke Wilson, from uh, in the Detroit game from last year. So I think with Jerome Baker, you're going to have to pick and choose your spots uh, of how you play him and what you ask him to do. And I think Andrew Van Ginkle is going to come in and sort of be a guy that can take on at least the pass rushing aspect of that Kyle Van Noy role. Um, I don't know if you want me to go down to the rabbit hole that I, that I found myself in with that. We can leave that in the article if people want to read it. But um, essentially I think Andrew Van Ginkle was drafted because he has a lot of familiarity with those third down pass rushing roles that um, we'll see in this defense. So maybe he and Jerome Baker can combine but really my main concern with Baker is, is he big enough? Is he strong enough? Is he physical enough to play on the line of scrimmage as much as Kyle Van Noy did? Or can you play him off the ball and kind of piecemeal that position together with Andrew Van Ginkle and, and perhaps some others? I think it'll certainly be an interesting combination as far as what they do on a base down package or sub package roles. There's going to be lots of different specific roles to fill at this linebacker position. And you mentioned Jerome Baker and kind of some of the shortcomings he had last year. I think a lot of fans tend to put the Jerome Baker highlight reel on and it's more impressive than Raekwon McMillan's because he does have a couple of sacks. He's getting back into the backfield and kind of chasing guys out wide and showing off some of that speed. But you mentioned the shortcomings there he had in that Detroit game. I go back to the Bears game game, for instance, when Raekwon McMillan tried to handle Tariq Cohen, which probably isn't a good matchup for almost any linebacker in the National Football League. And I ask you, Kev, between these two guys and what they were last year, really not a lot of experience, both very young, I think 22 and 21 years old, Raekwon coming off a torn ACL, Jerome's first year in the pros. Now, do you think that these guys together working kind of with that history they have back at Ohio State, the fact that they're both more immersed in the defensive scheme this year, and the fact that they're both healthy, is all that going to kind of come together? Because I watched some Raekwon tape where he as a blitzer, maybe he's not the guy that's going to win a pass rush move or beat you with speed or a bull rush, but he seems to be instinctive enough to know where his gap integrity is, his certain lane responsibility, and he finds a way to stay in there to create opportunities for other guys. Is that something you see on tape as well? Yeah. Um, and to answer your question, you know, it's, it's a whole new defense for every person on the roster. So, you know, maybe they aren't the best fit you know, for this defense together, I think there's certainly roles for both of them in the defense, but I think there are going to be other guys that come in and, and play snaps. And, you know, they were talking with, I think it was Charles Harris on the audible podcast, the Dolphins team podcast last week. And he mentioned that a lot of his stuff this year that he's been learning to do is to basically be a stand up outside edge rusher. 
So I do kind of wonder if they already have some contingencies in place to where, you know, maybe there are certain packages where Baker and McMillan come off the field and you get more of a pass rusher on the field in place of them. Um, I think both of those guys are better blitzers than they are pass rushers. So you're going to have to scheme it properly and figure out what they can and can't do. Um, I'd like to think that Miami's defensive staff is, is well positioned to do that. Um, just given how closely they all kind of know this system and how much experience they have in a lot of these, you know, three down linemen, sub packages and pressure packages. So uh, it'll be fun to watch. It's definitely a different change from what we had in the past with Matt Burke. And going back to the back level of the defense, I've got Kevin Dern with me here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And this last one is something I think that you and I have both been clamoring for for a little bit, probably more me than you, but it involves the safety position. And I think there are multiple options. You might be able to plug into this role, at least give it a chance. But again, I'll leave the floor to you. Number three in the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, who is Miami's Patrick Chung? Yeah, so this was my third concern. And, you know, Bill Belichick loves Patrick Chung. I've got a couple of quotes in the article that you can read about it. But he actually called Chung the most important player to the Patriots defense. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you watch um, the video I linked in my uh, piece to Samuel R. Gold's uh, Patriots Super Bowl piece, you can see a lot of the versatile things that Patrick Chung does. He plays basically as an end man on the on the line of scrimmage on the defense as an edge player. He plays split safety. He plays in the slot. They can rotate him back to play free safety. And with Miami, I don't necessarily think we have one guy that can kind of step in and fill that role. And I don't think Miami really addressed it, just given the contract situations of Jones and McDonald. So perhaps there are opportunities for Minka to take some of those uh, snaps. I think Rashad Jones has always been much better close to the line of scrimmage, but I wonder if he is as assignment sound as you'd need him to be. And then with TJ McDonald, you know, he lost some weight in, in hopes of getting a little bit quicker but you do kind of wonder, is he athlete enough to do the things that Patrick Chung can do? And if none of those guys can really replicate that position, we may have to see some some tweaks to the scheme until we can get that type of player in here. Um, but it's going to be challenging for Miami to replicate Patrick Chung just with one guy. And one of those attempts they're going to make this year is putting Bobby McCain back there. And I know there are some very, very knowledgeable Dolphins fans and you know people that cover the team alike that think that McCain could be a disaster situation back there. But I go back to some of his tape, and there are certain situations where coming out of zone coverage, or even when you go back to his college tape at Memphis, when he was the ultimate ball hawk in college, you watch some of the things this guy can do, and there was times where he came over the top of coverage and broke the pass up. Or the pick against the Jets two years ago, when he picked off Josh McCown, he buzzed to the flat and got himself into a position to make a play on the football. I just wonder if maybe he has the intellect and the instincts to make that happen at the defensive back position. I'm curious your take on McCain here real quick, Kev. Yeah, uh, just based on what I've read, and obviously this is subject to change once we see it in the preseason, but it sounds to me like they view him pretty much as that Deron Harmon type player, that third down middle of the field type safety. Um I think he might do okay in that role. I don't see him being as effective if you're asking him to be sort of a first and second down split safety, um, just given his size and, and 
the assignments that he would be required to do to stop the run. But if it's limited to that third down roll, I think he has a, a pretty good shot to replicate Duran Harmon successfully. I think that sounds really good from that position and that standpoint. So a great point there, Kev. I want to come back on the other side of the podcast. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you the defensive bodies construction of the Patriots defense last year, because we're going to come back and talk about Kevin's 25-man prediction or 26 or 24, however many you want to keep on the defense. But just to give you a heads up, last year, the Patriots in the Super Bowl had 11 defensive linemen, six linebackers, seven cornerbacks, and four safeties. And now, of course, a lot of those players are somewhat interchangeable across multiple positions. We're going to come back and fill out the roster and answer your questions on the Twitter mailbag. But first, whether you're a burly Bradley Cooper like Kev or a twig like Jesse Pinkman like me, the number one place to get great looking shirts designed to be worn untucked is at untuckit.com. We thank Untuckit for sponsoring the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And with no tucking or tailoring required, their shirts are designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. Go to untuckit.com, use promo code NBA to get 20% off your order. That's untuckit.com, promo code NBA. We've got some questions on the Twitter mailbag here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast for Sunday slash Monday, July the 8th. We're talking to Kevin Dern here. I want to get his or those questions for him on this Dolphins defense. But first, before we do that, we teased it on the other side of the episode. Kevin, I know you've got your list there. I'm not going to refute it. I just want to hear what you have to say. Who are you keeping on this Dolphins defense for this season, 24, 25, 26, however many guys you want to keep, give me your Dolphins defensive lineup that makes it for the opening day roster. Oh, man. Well, I've got 26 total right now. Um, just starting up front with uh, defensive ends, and obviously some of these are kind of pass rusher types that it could also be outside linebackers, so however you want to number it, fine with me. But my, my guys are Tank Carradine, Jonathan Woodard, I think Jonathan Ledbetter, the undrafted free agent, makes it. Um, I've got Charles Harris and Jerome Elliott. And then on the inside, I've got Gottschall, Wilkins, Taylor, Akeem Spence, and Joey Embu. Um, I have it as as five linebackers because I think Harris and Elliott can kind of play some of those snaps. But Kiko Alonso, Raycon McMillan, Jerome Baker, Andrew Van Ginkle, and Terrell Hanks are my linebackers. Love it. I'm going to assume that Cordray Tankersley starts the season on PUP, so I don't have him here. Um, but I've got Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, TJ McDonald, Eric Rowe, Cornell Armstrong, Jamal Wiltz, Bobby McCain, Walt Akins, Montre Hardage, and Maurice Smith. Okay, so I have just one question for you on that. We'll get into the mailbag here right after that. You went with the undrafted rookie, Montre Hardage. Why did you go with him over any other possibility like Nick Needham, Jamar Summers, or I, I guess whoever might be available at the cornerback position? Why did you go with Hardage? Uh, I've seen him play quite a bit living in Big Ten country. Um, he went to Northwestern. Um, he's a pretty physical player. I also think there might be an opportunity for him to kind of convert and maybe play some of that middle-of-the-field safety position and not just corner. So I think his position versatility will help. 
And I think he's physical enough to provide a presence on special teams as well. Those are certainly the buzzwords this coaching staff is going to love. Very good stuff. I didn't know much about him, so thanks for dropping that knowledge on us. Kev, let's go ahead and change gears here real quick. Not in the LeVar Ball style, but right to the Twitter mailbag and get these questions. We had a couple guys write in defensive questions, some whiskey questions. We'll start here with Oliver. He is at Brazil Candido. He's our uh, another staff writer on LockedOnDolphins.com. He asks, Kev, what does Jerome Baker's weight gain tell you about his new role in this defense? Do you have a new answer for us on that, or is it kind of the same thing you already talked about? Kind of the same thing. I would just say it's a guarantee he's not converting to safety. <laughs> Zach Thomas will love that response very much. This next one here comes in from Leighton Stoffer. He's at Stoffer underscore Leighton. We've often talked about how McMillan can fill the Dante Hightower role. Do you think he is able to fulfill his duties in season one, or will this be a long-term process for McMillan? Um, I think he'll be able to fill probably two thirds of that role by the end of this year. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a true edge rusher, pass rusher type player. So I think you're always going to have to kind of have someone else tagged in that role with him. And so this defense is always going to have certain combinations and guys that fill out those multiple specific roles. So I, you know, I guess it's a good thing to have that type of defense, but also the guys that can do it down in and down out are very valuable. We're going to shift gears here once again and go more towards a non-football question. This one comes in from Raced. It's at Raced I get this one wrong every time. It's something, something rather on Twitter. He asks, where does Shivas Regal rank in drinkability in your Scotch blend list? Oh my goodness. You know what? I will make a terrible confession and admit that I actually have never had that. <laughs> well, that's going to make two of us here that call ourselves Scotch slash whiskey experts. I knew, I knew experts. it was Hunter S. Thompson's drink of choice. And that's your guy too. So that's a little bit more disappointing. I mean, for me, I, I just recently got into drinking whiskey and, and scotch pretty much straight up. Like I used to have to have mixers. And that brings me into a question I wanted to ask you, Kev, as I'm sure every single scotch drinker out there right now is just shaking their head at us. And as a whiskey and scotch drinker, and perhaps a blend drinker as well. And last night, I got to play a little bit of bartender at my house. We were hosting, and it brought about the question, as someone who prefers whiskey and scotch over a stone, like you and I do, which drink is more acceptable to you, an old-fashioned or a Manhattan? I drink old fashions more, so I'll say that. Yeah, that smoky flavor goes really well with a cigar when you have one. I know you're a big cigar smoker, right? Yeah, I actually had some with uh, my brother-in-law on the 4th of July. So uh, it's just, that's a perfect way to celebrate the most American holiday with scotch and cigars and cigars rather. So that's all good stuff. That's all we've got here on the mailbag for you, Kev. We had a couple of questions talking about the offense, even though I specifically stated we're talking about defense on this podcast. <laughs> that's neither here nor there to satisfy that one iTunes review that I got a while back. But he is Kevin Dern. Check out his piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com. His concerns over the Dolphins defense, not projections or predictions from Kevin. He's just pointing out some things that might be an issue going forward. Kevin, that's all I got for you. Anything else? No, that's it. Enjoy uh, your week and uh, looking forward to the start of training camp. And I greatly appreciate it, my friend. And I'm looking forward to training camp as well. We'll have you back on the podcast to discuss more stuff in the preseason and in season as well. But with that, there's only one thing left to do, Kev. Good night, Kevin. It's got to say good night, Kevin. Home Alone references will always win. 
And before we say goodnight on today's edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, I want to tell you guys about Grip6 belts. And today's show is brought to you by Grip6 and their ultra lightweight belts with no holes, no flap, and it's great for the man or woman in your life. Go to Grip6.com right now. They have a special offer for you. It's at Grip6.com slash lock. That's Grip6. Dot com slash lock and also please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. You guys can find Kevin at Kevin MD4. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Oh, hey.